Deuteronomy chapter 33, Deuteronomy 33. Thank you, college choir and orchestra, beautiful song. Um, there is some um, uncertainty about the definition of the word Noel. Um, there are some differing definitions, but one that has registered in my mind that makes sense is now well. Now all things are, are fine. With the arrival of Christ, you know, we, we announce his birth and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And, and now, well, we can say with the college choir as they just sung, all is well because of Christ. There is, the, um, there is a cycle that at least I find myself um, wandering into and I get into this cycle when I approach times or some seasons of rest. And I don't know if you find yourself in the same cycle or not, but it has been very consistent in my life and I assume, I don't mean to presume, but I assume that it would be true for many in here as well. I think the first time I noticed it was um, shortly after I had been out of college, but if I would have thought about it, it probably would have been noticed even personally in my college days. But I noticed it when I got out of college and I was traveling with what is now called a proclaim group. And I was um, a speaker and then a leader for, for some of those groups. And I noticed that we had these long summers, and, and, uh, but we had shorter Christmases. We'd travel... Um, just after Christmas for a few weeks, and then we would travel for, I think, about 10 weeks over the course of the summer. So it was a, it was a lot of travel. It was a demanding time, physically busy, a lot that you would be doing. You'd, you'd be presenting, of course, be in a different church every night and staying in different people's homes. And so there were a lot of demands on you. And the thing I started to notice is we, we as a group, as a team, we seem to have good strength, but then we got tired like when we knew it was about over. And it didn't matter how long the tour was. For example, the same thing happened at Christmas. If we're just traveling for three weeks at Christmas, we, we started to get tired, you know, I don't know, maybe the week before we were about to be finished. And then the same thing happened in the summer. In the summer, you know, here we, we've got 10 weeks, but at week nine, we were just like, wow, we're really tired because we were looking forward to the break. And we are knocking on the door, of course, um, not just us, but, but people are, are knocking on the door of a time of rest. So we're coming up on a break. And it's something we anticipate, we look forward to, but again, Maybe this is me, but I think it's more than me. Sometimes those, those danger moments are, are not the, the mountaintops, you know. In fact, if you do a study, I, I read a, an article some years ago about mountain climbing and, um, you know, just kind of normal, not, not scaling up with ropes and belays and all that, just normal mountain climbing that you could face more dangers coming down off the mountain than you did ascending to it. And sometimes when we've been busy and like, oh man, we, we are coming down, so to speak, getting ready for the rest, we find ourselves in this little danger moment. And here we are, you know, I mean, there's obviously a lot of college students here tonight at Campus Church, 
But it's far beyond that. It's just people looking for some rest. We were driving into church uh, this morning and my wife said, she said, um, you know, I, I enjoy all the stuff of Christmas. She said, but I am also looking forward to being beyond all the, the stuff of Christmas to a time where, where we can just relax a little bit. And then she asked me, she said, how many more um, sermons before you take a break? And I said, oh, wow, I haven't thought about that. And, and so then we just counted up and, and we're thinking, we're anticipating, okay, I, I've got a little bit further to go and, and uh, do I have, you know, we're all thinking, do I have what I need to finish out the days? And then this morning um, in church and Bible study group, I was talking to, you know, one of our church members and they teach first grade. And when you think about children and school and, and first graders and, and who's more ready for the break, a first grader or the first grade teacher, you know, and I think probably the first grade teacher. Again, we're close to something, but, but sometimes our strength wanes even as we approach times of rest. Ultimately, I think in bigger ways than just approaching a time of rest, we sometimes wonder, do I have what I need for the journey? Am I gonna have everything that I need? And it's a legitimate question. The title of our message tonight is simply this. It is strength for the days. And not notice the day, but strength for the days. Uh, Jacob had 12 sons, of course, and they become the 12 tribes of Israel. And if you start considering, you know, all of his sons, his eighth son was born um, to a handmaid. And, you know, her name was Zilpah. She was Leah's handmaid. And, um, but Leah, in a sense, uh, took ownership not necessarily possession of, but ownership of the child. And there's some interesting things about this eighth child when he was born that she ascribed to herself. And then she actually, what happened to her, she gave as a name to the child. So the Bible says it this way, before we look at our text, Genesis chapter 30, beginning in verse number 12. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a second son. And Leah said... Here's what she literally said in the Hebrew. She said, Asher, am I? She said, I am Asher. And then the scripture goes on and it says, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. So the child's name literally means happy. She said, this is what you have made me. And so I'm gonna give you the name for that which you have provided for me. And then later when Moses is about to die, he is pronouncing blessing on all the tribes. Now, again, I know this is, this is specific to the tribes, but I also know that there are some things that take place in the blessings of Moses to the 12 tribes of Israel that are characteristic of God's interactions with people like you and people like me. And if you look at what it is that, that happens with Asher and the blessing of Moses, we do come to our text. And your Bibles are open to Deuteronomy 33. Look at the last part of verse number 25. Deuteronomy 33, the last part of verse number 25. 
And here the Bible records. And as thy days, I looked up the word to just verify because I didn't want to assume that, well, it's speaking generically about your day. The word is plural. And so Moses is saying to the tribe, the happy tribe, the tribe of Asher, he's saying, as your days, plural, so shall thy strength be. He's saying to the tribe, and I think we do no disservice to understand that this promise that God gave to the happy tribe, the tribe of Asher, that this promise or this principle is carried over to God's children. God saying to people like you and God saying to people like me, listen, I know there may be times when your strength is waning. I know there may be times when you're wondering, can I do this and am I going to make it? But God reminds us like he reminds the tribe of Asher, as your days are, however long they may be, your strength is equal to your days. I started to think about some of the things that this means for people like you and me regarding the strength for our days. The first thing that I would notice about this passage is his strength then, we would understand, is magnified by our weaknesses. His strength, of course, is magnified by our weaknesses. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse number 29, he giveth power to the faint. Now pause for just a moment on that thought. If you and I are recognizing, God, I know there's something that I need. Well, to whom is God going to offer the supply or the provision that he has ready and available to offer? Well, the Bible says it very clearly. He giveth power to the faint, not to the powerful. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. He doesn't give strength to the strong. In fact, that doesn't even make sense. He gives strength to the weak. If you had to answer the question, and I, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer to this, but if you had to answer the question, do you like daytime um, more than you like nighttime or nighttime more than daytime? I think some of the reasons we like nighttime is obviously because we get to rest and recharge. Um, we also get a clean slate. There's something good about being able to pillow your head at night and wake in the morning with something that has a freshness to it. So I understand the value of night. But if you ask me, hey, do you like all things being equal? Do you like daytime more or do you like nighttime more? I like daytime more than nighttime. I like being awake more than I like being asleep. Now, there are times when, I mean, honestly, and Julie knows this, like if I sit down and if I'm not engaged, I can just go quickly to sleep. That's why I'm a pastor, okay? So if I'm sitting down and I'm not doing something, okay, so anyways, I like being awake more than I like being asleep. So you say, well, what does that have to do with strength and power? While I like being awake more than I like being asleep, while I like daytime more than I like nighttime, I do really like to see what the nighttime provides in a spectacular sky. There is something that is overwhelming in a great way about just pausing and looking up at an incredibly starry night. 
If you've ever been camping and you've watched the sunset, you know it's spectacular. You get oftentimes, even with a mix of clouds, you get just this new landscape. It's never been painted like that before. But then you're always looking for something, especially if you're out camping. You've got probably a good fire that's going and, and it's getting cooler outside and, and you've seen the beauty of the sunset. Now there's just the glow on the horizon and you're looking continually for something. In fact, sometimes you'll stop, you'll remind yourself, don't look at the fire because you want your eyes to start adjusting to the night. And then you look up and you see that which is just spectacular. It starts with a first one, a, a bright star. Sometimes we see, oh, wow, there's, there is, and we can name that which is before us. And then we just start to look and one by one, and then constellation by constellation. And then the sky is just filled with that which you cannot see in the light of day. And in similar fashion, God oftentimes allows us to go through some of the nighttime experiences of life. And you say, well, I like the, I like the light of day better. And, and we understand that, but how sad it would be if we didn't get to see the splendor of the heavens, the, the stars that are proclaiming his power, were it not for the night. And were it not for our weaknesses, how would we ever know about the strength of our God I like it when I am strong more than when I am weak. Weakness is humbling. It is oftentimes frustrating. It is what others are supposed to be, but not us. We see our own weaknesses then revealed so often on a daily basis, our weaknesses in growth. How many of you have been a little bit disappointed and like I thought I would be at this place in my spiritual journey and I'm not and I'm frustrated that I can't seem to get to this level of my spiritual walk. What are we noticing about ourselves? We're noticing some new weakness. Our weakness in our resolve. Have you ever resolved to do something for Almighty God? And then, I mean, it seems like in a matter sometimes of moments or hours or maybe days or possibly weeks. And then that which we had resolved to do seems to come crumbling down around us. What happened to my great resolve? We see our weaknesses oftentimes in suffering. We say, Lord, I just can't take this anymore. I can't do this. And again, we find how very weak we are. And obviously many times we see our weakness in temptation our weakness and temptation. It's like, Lord, I, I fell again and I had resolved never to do that. I thought I would have grown beyond this point. And what are we confronted with continually? We're confronted, it seems like on a daily basis with new weaknesses. The Bible records a familiar passage for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse nine. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect. And there's only one place that is fertile ground for the strength of God. It is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. 
The promise that we have here is strength for our days. And of course, that means you will have enough for today, but it also allows you to rest tonight because it is a promise that says you're also going to have what you need for tomorrow. The first thing I notice about this passage is his strength is magnified by our weaknesses. Second thing I notice is his strength is maintained by his willingness. His strength is maintained by his willingness. God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to his people and he's speaking about their return to him. And notice God's desires. Jeremiah 32, verse number 41. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. Um, how many of you have ever said to someone before, I love you, I just don't like you very much? Have you ever said that before? Have you ever had it said to you? Listen, I want you to know I do love you. I just don't really like you very much. Okay. Don't raise your hand again, but how many of you have ever wondered if God loves you, but he doesn't, doesn't like you very much? Like I know he, for God so loved the world, I know God loves me, but sometimes I wonder, God, do you, do you really like me? And I think sometimes we wonder that because it's, it's at seasons or times when we don't really like ourselves. And again, we see our weaknesses and our challenges and our frustrations. And we start to wonder if, if other people knew me like God knows me, would, would they really like me? And God, you know me. There's nothing hidden from you. God, I know you love me, but, you know, do you really like me? You know, I, I, I think it's important for us to at least acknowledge the question and maybe provide some answer. If, if God is only keeping a promise because I promised I'm going to provide you this, so I'm going to make good on my promise, then our relationship with God seems to take some different kind of, of, of I don't know, whole kind of character or nature. But if God is doing something on our behalf, not because he made a promise and I'm just going to make good on my promise, but, but he's actually desirous to do so. That paints this whole relationship in a different frame. And again, the, the passage that we were looking at, yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. I'm, I'm finding some pleasure, God says, when I do good on behalf of those who don't deserve it. God's speaking about a people here that had defied him, they denied him, they had wandered away from him and says, listen, my heart is so ready to pour out good on you. And then he goes on in the same passage, and I will plant them in this land assuredly with how? With my whole heart, with my whole soul. God says, every part of me is desirous, willing to do this. His strength is not just maintained out of obligation. His strength for you is maintained because he is so desirous to do so. He goes on in, in the mouth of another prophet, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. You get the sense 
that Almighty God has a heart that is so full of his love and his joy and his desire for his people. The, the, the heart of God overflows. And the only way that that overflow of love can be captured is through the means of song. What kind of a God wants to strengthen you in your journey all of your days? A God who is not feeling some obligatory sense that, well, I, I have to do this. I mean, how many times do we do that for other people? Yeah, I know I, I know I need to do this. I said I would and I'm going to do it. That's not God. God, he, he maintains this, this strength, this pouring out of his provision. And he does so not simply because he made a promise. Now, the promises are great because we hold to them. We claim them. But God's pouring out of his strength goes beyond the promise. It goes to the, to the very heart of God that says, I joy over you. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse number three. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God will refer back to his promises. He'll refer to his covenants. But what do we have right here? What we have here is God says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. My love for you knows no end. The readiness and willingness to to love and to, to do good, to pour out strength. We see it in God and then we see it reflected in God the Son. Do you remember when, when, when those in great need, the greatest need would come and, and work their way to Jesus? Like, like blind Bartimaeus, he just kept calling out, calling out and he was going to be heard. And Jesus heard him and he healed him. Zacchaeus, this, this guy that nobody cared for. And Jesus pauses at the base of the tree in which he is watching. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. And then in scripture, we have this, this powerful picture of our great need. And that's the leper, leprosy. This, this, this dread curse of, of physical impairment. There's nothing that they could do about it. They have to have someone do for them what they couldn't do for themselves. And finally, a, a leper works his way to Jesus. And these are the outcasts of, of the culture of society. They have their own colony. People throw stones at the leper. They, they say, unclean, unclean. But this leper works his way to Jesus. And now he poses something to Jesus. He, he knows Jesus has the power to do something for him. He knows that he's talking to the one who has the strength that he needs. And he phrases the, the appeal in a really unique way. Notice what he says. Here's how this conversation in short comes together. Matthew chapter eight, verse number two. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him saying, Lord, if thou wilt. Do you know what he's saying specifically, literally? He's saying, Lord, if you wanted to. Lord, if you wanted to. And then he goes on, he says, Lord, if thou wilt, if you wanted to, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Who does that? Who touches the leper? Nobody touches the leper, but Jesus extends his hand. It might've been the first human touch this man has felt since he was proclaimed a leper. And Jesus reaches out, he touches the leper. He put forth his hand and touched him saying, 
I will. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying, I want to. I desire to. He doesn't say, listen, I'm obligated to because this is the reason I came. Yeah, I came to give sight to the blind, to heal the sick. You know, I, I came to free the bound. Uh, that's the reason I came. So I'm obligated. He doesn't do that. He says, the leper says, if you wanted to, you could make me clean. And Jesus says, oh, I want to. And he touches him and he makes the leper clean. Do you know his strength? Yes, it's magnified by our weakness, but it is maintained. He continues to provide it and he does so with his willingness. And the last thing I notice about this passage is this. His strength morphs to meet the challenges. His strength morphs to meet the challenges. In other words, whatever the challenge, his strength seems to just surround it and answer the need. There are people in here that I would go to for certain things. Okay, so boy, if I have this need, I'm gonna go and talk to this person. If, if I have this, this challenge, oh, that's the person that could help me. But I'm not gonna cross the, the, the wires on those things because that person, that, that's their specialty. This person, they can help me with that. L listen, I, I get it. I know there are certain people that can do certain things. Um, if I wanted to, um, if I had a, a, a question about my phone, okay, I would probably go talk to Pastor Burdick because Pastor Burdick is going to say, okay, uh, here's what you need to do. And have you tried this and do this, this, and this. I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to talk to Dr. Zach, okay? Um, so he's not the guy that I'm going to talk to. But I will tell you this. I'm not saying that I couldn't or wouldn't do this with, with uh, Pastor Burdick, but if I had a counseling question, probably one of my first calls, uh, hey, Dr. Zach, um, what do you think about this? He said, oh, that's a good question. He says, he'll, he'd probably say, yeah, you know, a while ago I did a study on that. Now I was writing some things out and I said, oh, okay, that's, that's what I needed. Thanks so much for that. If I had a question about, and I, I could just go on and on and on and say, okay, I'm gonna talk to this person about this. I'm gonna talk to this person about, this. I'm gonna call this person for, I mean, I have people that I pick up the phone when I have this need and I say, hey, uh, can you help me with, and that's my go-to person. Sometimes I think we're tempted to, to think, and I, I suppose the world assumes this. Uh, well, what's your God good for? What's his specialty? Because the world functions like that. In fact, in, in, in ancient times, they'd have a God for this and a God for that. And oh, here's a God that can do this. But you, you got all you need with God. You got everything. His strength, it's going to adapt to whatever is the challenge that's before you. It's not beyond his reach. His, his, his arm is not shortened that he cannot save. It doesn't matter what it is that's before you. Well, Lord, th this seems really unique and I don't know anybody else that has this problem. It doesn't matter. As your days, so shall your strength be. That is all encompassing. It doesn't matter what you face through the course of your days. Whatever it is that you face through the course of a day, Almighty God says, I've got your back. I have the strength you need for your days, plural, whatever you're going to face. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the apostle said this. He said, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. 
Uh, listen, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things. That's all encompassing. You're not going to miss anything. God has what you need. It goes along with wonderful consistency to, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. In writing about this passage, Deuteronomy 33, 25, in writing about this passage, um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote the following. He said, God has issued no more notes for the bank of heaven than he can cash in an hour if he wills. There is enough bullion in the vaults of omnipotence to pay off every bill that ever shall be drawn by the faith of man or the promises of God. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, listen, his reserves are very deep. There's never going to come a time when the reserves or the resources of God have run dry. There's never even going to come a time when it's like, well, it hasn't run dry, but it's getting pretty low. Never will there be a time. What does this mean? It means that no matter the challenge that I face, it will be answered in the sufficiency of God. Think about the magnitude of this promise. As thy days, that is plural, every day of your life, God promises to provide what you need. And remember, a promise is only good, as good as the resources and the readiness of the one offering it. And God's resources are boundless. And they are such that they are universally applicable. Hey, how many of you have ever had before a gift card that didn't work? You ever have that? It's a little awkward, isn't it? Have you ever gone like, oh yeah, you know, you're, you're standing there and, and you hand them your gift card and, and uh, you know, you give it to them and, and uh, oh yeah, I have a gift card. Wonderful. And sometimes they try to ring it up right at your table, you know. And um, they, they swipe it. It's like, oh, hmm. And they do it again. And somebody gave you a gift card they already spent. You know, that's probably what happened, you know. And so you have this gift card and you're trying to make this thing work. And it's a little embarrassing because, and sometimes a gift card, actually, it's loaded. There are resources on there. You just can't like, for whatever reason, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we've had problems with those before. We, they just don't work here. That's frustrating. Like, no, 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 I know there's resources on. Yeah, I know, we just, we just don't, I, sorry. You know, you're gonna have to go wash dishes, whatever, you know. That, that doesn't happen with God. His resources are universally applicable. Whatever your need, he is going to meet the need with the measured strength and his readiness to provide for it. There is one caveat to all of this. His strength is sufficient for all of our days. Not for all of our desires. Well, Lord, this is the kind of strength. I, I want to define strength as this. No, he's, he's going to provide that for you. Just exactly what you need and what he knows you need. You know, if you and I got to define the provision um, and act as the provider, we would probably provide in ways that are not for our best good. And so God in his infinite wisdom has made you a promise that he delights to honor. And that is as your days. I don't know where you're at in your days right now. You might say, man, 
Pastor, I am so weighted down right now. I mean, I can't wait to have a break. I need a little time of refreshment. I don't even know. I don't know how I'm going to make it until I get some time off. Listen, I do know this. I do know that as thy days, so shall thy strength be. God is going to honor your days, not all of your desires. God, if I could only have this, he says, trust me, I'm going to give you strength for your days. And that promise is something that you can claim every day, every day, all the days of your life. Canvas Church, as thy days, plural, so shall thy strength be.